You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in, everybody, episode 646 of the podcast. It is for Big America, the Tour Sports Podcast presented. By Bedford Sportsbook, it is Monday, January 2nd, 2023, people. First episode of the new year. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's having a great day. I hope everybody enjoyed those two iconic college football semifinals. It's been forever. It's like that Titanic meme. I've been waiting 84 years to finally get two good college football semifinals. Only that's exactly what we got, and we are going to break them down. We will start with Ohio State, Georgia. I got to tell you, I've been critical of Ryan Day for the last month, really last year, maybe dating back to last year's Michigan game. I thought he had Ohio State ready to go. I'm not mad about the final play. It happens. Stuff happens. I came away impressed by Ohio State. Obviously, an incredible win from Georgia. And then from there, we talk about TCU, Michigan. For Michigan, it's disappointing. At the same time, I think there's a lot to be excited about about the future. They showed me something important on Saturday. And then TCU, one of the great college football stories we've seen of all time. That isn't hyperbole. That isn't exaggeration. It is just fact. Before we get started, want to remind everybody, want to thank our presenting sponsor. You can see him behind me on YouTube, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know the story. Started in 1967 in the UK, one of the great well-respected sports books overseas. They have come to the United States and made a major splash. The presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Media, the Aaron Torres Pod, all things Aaron Torres. Also, the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies, and the Cincinnati Bengals. That is important this week. Legal sports betting in the state of Ohio. Congrats to all of you that did show up at Foling Warehouse on Sunday. It was an incredible event. I could not be there. Thanks for nothing, Southwest. I was supposed to be in Cincinnati. Had to cancel my trip because of all the travel craziness. But I talked to the Bedfred people. They had a blast. Uh, you know, Anthony Munoz, Drake Kirkpatrick. There was a New Year's Eve party with Adam Pacman Jones uh, where they were making bets at 12.01 Eastern time. So if you're in Ohio, I hope you took advantage. If not, it is not too late. Sign up if you're in Ohio or if you're in any state. That has Betfred bet 50 on any game 
get 250 in free bets. And I'm telling you, this is just the beginning for Aaron Torres and Bedford. I don't know why I refer to myself in the third person, but it's the it's just the beginning for us for Bedford. And I'm telling you, they are about to take over the state of Ohio, let alone everywhere else with legal sports betting. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I will just tell you guys and girls this. If 2023 is anything like the end of 2022, people, let me tell you, 2023 is going to be an all-timer because we got on Saturday just two all-time classic college football semifinals that I want to break down right now. And as I come out of Saturday night, you know what I think? The biggest winner isn't Georgia. The biggest winner isn't TCU. The biggest winner is you, the fan. You, 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 you. Yes, even you in the back. Because after years of one semifinal dud after another, we've had one or two great games. But for the most part, they've been dud after dud after dud. We get two incredible games as TCU survives against Michigan. That was an all-time classic. And then, oh, by the way, we get the follow-up game, one of the best games I've ever seen. People are saying it's one of two great college football semifinals of all time, including the Georgia-Oklahoma semifinal in 2018. But we get an all-timer as Georgia, at the stroke of midnight, survives Ohio State 42-41. to And so let's start with that one. Listen, I'll tell you this. You know it's a great game when, as the final play winds down, you see Stetson Bennett and the Georgia Bulldogs crying on the sidelines. When the winning team in a game of that magnitude is crying and it's not the championship game, that's when you know it was an all-timer, so let's get into it. And when I think about this game, I'll just be blunt. I'll just be blunt. We're going to remember the end, but to me, right away, I knew within minutes that everything that I have told you on this show for the last two or three weeks was completely wrong because the bottom line was I came into this game saying I didn't think Ohio State was a big game football team. I didn't think they were tough enough. I didn't think they were physical enough. I didn't think they were mean enough. I don't think Brian Day coached with enough of an edge to him. That is stuff that not only have I said, but a lot of others have said as well. And I think within a few minutes, you could tell that Ohio State, probably not this show, but Ohio State has certainly heard that narrative over the last month, right? You lose to Michigan for a second time in two years. You get punked at the line of scrimmage. You uh, you aren't physical. You aren't tough. Ryan Day's coaching scared. And it was clear that they had heard that narrative coming in. And it was clear from the moment that they stepped on the field, they were in Atlanta to prove that narrative wrong, okay? I think all you got to do to understand how this game started and what Ohio State's mindset was coming in was pretty straightforward. Just look at the box. Just just look at the drive chart. You don't even need my analysis, any other analysis, Sports Center, whatever you watch to consume college football. Because the bottom line is, look at the drive chart. Yes, Georgia forced a three and out on the opening drive. After that, next possession, Ohio State scores a touchdown. After that, Ohio State scores a touchdown. After that, Ohio State scores a touchdown. They're up 21 to 7. And then it's 21 to 14. Next possession. Um, oh, oh, Georgia, excuse me, in theory, forces a fourth down. What ends up happening? Ryan Day goes for it. They are called for an illegal motion or illegal formation or whatever. They're called for a penalty. It negates the fourth down. They're forced to punt. But you see Ryan Day on the sidelines screaming at a ref. And I'm not usually one to encourage coaches to berate or or yell or scream at officials. But what that said to me in that moment was that Ryan Day 
and Ohio State, they have heard everything that you have said about them. Not all of you, but many, myself included, have said that they're too soft, that they play scared, that they're not a big game program, and they were out to prove it wrong. When Ryan Day is screaming, when Ryan Day is pumping his fist and you see spit flying out of his mouth, when C.J. Stroud, a guy who has been under nothing but criticism, is making play after play after play, that's when you know, one, we're in for a great game, but two, that Ohio State has heard the narratives all along. Of course, unfortunately, it, it's it's fortunate for us as a consumer, but it's, of course, unfortunate for Ohio State. Um, they were in great position, and let's get into the final few minutes of this game because this was a wild, wild, wild finish. And again, I want to credit not only Georgia for winning, but credit Ohio State for giving us the performance that they did on Saturday night. And really where I think the conversation really starts, in my opinion, I think it's obviously pretty obvious, right? It's going into the fourth quarter. At that point, Ohio State is up 38-24 to on Georgia. At that point, Georgia does kick a field goal to make it 38-27. And I really think the next possession was ultimately the one that ironically may have decided the game, right? So Ohio State's up 38-27 to at that point. Ohio State at that point is forced to punt. They line up. And oh my goodness, there's a fake and they're running around the corner. And before the play officially goes off, you hear the whistle and you hear the timeout. And to me, that was the moment that changed the entire game. Ohio State up 38-27, to lining up for that fake punt. And as I told you a minute ago, Ryan Day, I thought his coach scared through the last couple months, last couple big games. He's going for it. If Kirby Smart does not see that up 38 to 27, if Ohio State converts that fourth down, like I think they were about to convert that fourth down, I do believe that the game is probably over at that point on the fake punt. Instead, of course, Kirby Smart gets the timeout. He said afterward, I just, I, it was a gut feeling. Something didn't feel right. The formation didn't appear to be normal. I decided to call the timeout. He does. I think it saves the game. Ohio State is forced to punt. From there, of course, Georgia, big play, two-point conversion. Ohio State kicks one field goal to go up at that point, 41-35. to And then we get the Stetson Bennett drive where he scores with 54 seconds left. And then, of course, we know what happens from there, right? Georgia, incredible fourth quarter. They do go up on that Stetson Bennett drive. Ohio State gets the ball back with about a minute to go, 54 seconds or so. I think my reaction was the same as all of yours. Did they leave too much time on the clock for Ohio State? And for a moment, it appears that they did, right? C.J. Stroud takes off running. C.J. Stroud makes a play. C.J. Stroud gets them in field goal range. A run, a couple passes. Ohio State lines up for that field goal with no time, you know, with, with time for one play left on the clock. Noah Ruggles kicks it. It's wide left. And in a true stunner, Ohio State, which I actually thought was the better team on Saturday night from start to finish, they do lose the game 42 to 41. When I tell you that this is an all timer, this was an all timer because, again, like I said, when you have Stetson Bennett on the field crying, when you have other Georgia players crying after a win in a semifinal, you know that they left everything they had on the field. So that is what happened. That's how it went down. I did not do a good enough job setting the the, the drama of it all because it was just a crazy classic all-timer. But with that said, now let's get to the reaction to both teams. And what I would start by saying 
I don't think there is a hot take coming out of this game, okay? I, I've seen the whole, you know, the Big Ten's overrated or this is overrated or that's overrated or this happened. Or, there is no hot take. All-time classic game against two great elite opponents. And if anything, what I'll say is this. I actually think, and I know we shouldn't, but it does. I know we shouldn't base anything we feel off of a coach, a program, a player, a team off of one game. But I will call a spade a spade. I will give credit to the team that lost because I do think this one game, this one moment, as much as it hurt for Ohio State fans, I do think this completely changed my perception of this program, of where it's headed, of what it can be under Ryan Day. Even C.J. Stroud, as he gets set to go to the next level, I think it changed it as well. And because to me, when I think about this game, what I really think about, honestly, is everything that we have talked about on this show the last month. And one thing I always try to do on this show, I try to be fair, I try to be balanced, but I try to never hide my real opinion about whatever topic we're talking about, right? And so I bring it up strictly to say this. Over the last month, I think it has been fair, as I often say. What do I always say on this show? In life, sometimes two things that can be true, that that seem different, can be true. Sometimes in life, two things that seem different can be true. And so what I've said all along with Ohio State, really since the last Michigan game a month ago, I said, look, I'm not saying that Ryan Day is on the hot seat. I'm not saying he's getting fired, whether they ended up in the college football playoff or not. But I do think it was fair to question Ryan Day, and I do think it was fair to question Ohio State. And the reason being everything that we've talked about. One, Prior to Saturday night, he hadn't been all that good in big games. Okay, I've, I've shared the stat a million times. Three and three in his last six games against top 15 teams. So essentially, in games in which he is playing teams with similar talent, similar coaching staff, similar facilities, similar resources, similar this, similar that. Ohio State is three and three. And in two of those games, they trailed at the half. They trailed going into the fourth quarter at Penn State. And so when I looked at Ohio State, what I said was this is that really in the past two years, there has been one game, one game against a marquee opponent in a big spot in a big moment where Ohio State has looked like Ohio State, and it was against Michigan State last year when they fell apart. So I have said, listen, I think it's fair to criticize Ryan Day because it's not just that you're not playing great in big games, but to me, prior to Saturday, and this has changed now, it wasn't just that he didn't; they weren't playing great in big games. I thought they were largely playing scared in big games and soft in big games. And what I say by that is, first of all, there is the soft component of it, which we've talked about many times, which everybody who covers college football has. But you go against those big physical teams, you haven't matched up that well. Haven't matched up well with Michigan. Haven't matched up well with Oregon. Obviously, Utah last year was able to move the ball up and down the field on Ohio State. They were one or two plays better in the Rose Bowl a season ago. So you haven't been tough, uh, you know, you haven't been tough in the games that mattered. But two, I also thought that Ohio State played and coached scared in big games as well, right? And we talked about this after the Michigan game. But you think about that Michigan game. You think about the fact that there were two, three, four times where Ryan Day could have gone for it on fourth down, could have gone for it in a big moment, decided to punt, decided to give the ball back, decided to do this, decided to do that. I remember the play 
in the Michigan game. I think it was late third, early fourth, where C.J. Stroud is on the field begging him, coach, let me go for it. He punts. And so that was why Ohio State fans were frustrated coming into this game. It wasn't because they were 11-1. It wasn't even necessarily because they lost to Michigan. It's because Ohio State wasn't who Ohio State was supposed to be, right? When you're Ohio State, what you can lose games. You should never lose games because you're scared, because you're playing soft, because you're afraid, because that is literally like the ethos of what Ohio State is. Is you think about Ohio State over the last 50 years of college football, they've got better players than you. They've got better facilities than you. They've got better coaches than you. They've got better fans than you. They've got better resources than you. They, Ohio State might lose, but it ain't ever going to be because we're scared or we're soft or we're afraid because we're Ohio freaking state, right? You go back to the Urban Meyer era. They might have lost a weird game here or there to Iowa or Purdue. In the big games, though, when, it, when their kind of manhood was tested, they showed up ready to play. That's where Ohio State, that's where the concern has been And I will say this, if Ryan Day coaches the way that he did on Saturday against Georgia, ultimately, I'm not that concerned anymore. They were just as tough, just as physical, just as mean. I would argue at times more tough, more physical. They got after Stetson Bennett. They made plays in the defensive backfield. They were able to move the ball. And let me take it a step further. Let me give C.J. Stroud some credit, too. He's another guy I've been critical of over the last couple years. I've said, what's his biggest win? Is it a Rose Bowl that you guys tell me Rose Bowl and, and bowl games outside of the playoff don't matter? Well, if it's irrelevant to you, I'm not giving CJ credit, CJ Stroud credit for winning that game. And so when I look at CJ Stroud, I think he answered every single question that anyone could possibly have. Not tough enough, not a big game quarterback. Well, think about what CJ Stroud was going up against on Saturday. CJ Stroud was down probably the best wide receiver in college football to start the season, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who barely played it all this year. Then he loses Marvin Harrison, who of course is his, um, is was probably the best wide receiver alongside Jalen Hyatt at, from Tennessee in college football this year. So he's down maybe the two best wide receivers in all of college football. He's down his best running back, Travion Henderson, who's been hurt, just had surgery, was not available for this game. His second best running back, Mayan Williams, what had the flu, I believe he played about, he had about two or three carries and was unavailable after that. And so for CJ Stroud to keep Ohio state in this game and to have them in position to win this game, I thought it showed a lot of him when you're talking about a guy that had to put the entire team on his back because of the fact that he was down his top two wide receivers and his top two running backs. I credit CJ Stroud and I credit Ryan day. I'll just say this for Ohio state. If Ryan day can take some of the energy that he had on Saturday night and bring it to 2023. That's a scary Ohio state program going forward. Now I'll say it again. I've said it many times. I don't want to see that against Indiana. I don't want to see that in the non-conference against Kent state or Northern Illinois or whoever you're playing. I want to see it in the big games against Michigan, against Penn state, against Notre Dame, who they will play again. They'll play in South Bend next year. If we get that Ryan day, with that fire and that emotion to go along with everything that the talent that they have and everything, I think Ohio state's going to be in really good shape. And I'll say this from the perspective of takeaways, my big takeaway was actually the Ohio state takeaway, which I just discussed. I I feel better about this program today than I did a month ago, the last month, the last week, even though they lost from the Georgia perspective, is there a takeaway? Like, like, like I keep racking my brain trying to think of the hot 
you know, the hot take takeaway on Georgia. I don't know that there is one. They they have been the best program in college football over the, the last two years. I'll say this, if they win on next Monday against TCU in a game that I'll be at at SoFi Stadium, I think it's hard to argue they're not the best program in college football right now. But this is a program that has been basically defined by all the things that I don't think really Ohio State has been defined by at all over the last couple of years. Toughness, physicality. I think they play over the last couple of years, dating back to last year's national championship game. They play their best in the biggest games this year against Tennessee, this year in the SEC championship, this year uh, against Oregon, last year in the title game. For them to win this game, I, I, there's no takeaway. This is the best program in college football right now. They are fearless. They never quit. They play hard. I think the other thing, and we're going to talk about this with Michigan in a minute. I think my biggest takeaway is this, is that I don't know that Georgia could overcome that deficit, the, the, the 38 to 24 deficit in the fourth quarter. I don't know that they could have done it a year ago. I don't know that they could have done it five years ago just based on the way that they played. But the offense has evolved. Stetson Bennett, I hate to say it, it's super cliche. That dude is a winner. That dude, by the way, how old is Stetson Bennett, by the way? He was talking about, I don't know if this game was better than Oklahoma, Georgia in 2018. That was January 1, 2018, five calendar years ago when Georgia beat Baker Mayfield and Ohio or, or Oklahoma in the playoff. That was Lincoln Riley's first year at Oklahoma. That was Baker Mayfield. Kyler Murray was a red shirt backing up. Stetson Bennett was on Georgia's team that year. Now, granted, he's a 60-year guy. I get all that. But for him to be a true freshman there to now, it's just unbelievable. Credit to Georgia. Um, like I said, I, I just I can't come up with the crazy big picture takeaway. But what I will say with this is Georgia. One, resolve, toughness, mental toughness. Kirby Smart, I really do think that fake uh, the fake punt, I think, might have saved Georgia's season. I just want to do. Do want to take a quick break? Do want to come back and talk Michigan TCU? Another just weird game, fun game, awesome game. A lot of thoughts on that one. Take a quick break. We will be. You already know where we'll be. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back the sponsor of our Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pickup Challenge. I am, of course, talking about Bracket Phonetics. By now, you know all about Bracket Phonetics. I have been working with them for years, multiple NCAA tournaments. This year, Bracket Phonetics decided to get into the NFL space, and they are doing the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. We are doing the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge, courtesy of Bracket Phonetics. What do you need to do? How do you need to sign up? How can you take advantage of Bracket Phonetics? Let me tell you right now. All you got to do, go to BracketPhonetics.com. Click the tab, join bracket. The bracket name is Torres. And here's what happens when you sign up. All you got to do every single week, pick every single game on the NFL slate. Not against the spread, not over under. Just pick every single game. And here's what happens. Winner every single week gets $100 cash courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. So bracketfanatics.com, join bracket, bracket name Torres. Pick the games. Every winner every week gets $100 cash courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. And here's the cool part. When the season ends in a few weeks, you can still get a $1,000 season-long cash prize. That goes to the ultimate winner, courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. Not too late to sign up. You'll automatically be entered to win the $100 weekly winner. All you got to do, BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. Bracket name Torres. Tell them Torres sent you. BracketFanatics.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears, and I want to talk about the other semifinal that was on Saturday. Obviously, the late game was Ohio State, uh, Georgia. We just talked about it. Just an instant classic, an all-timer. It was unbelievable. Um, But the first game was really, really, really fun, too as TCU as a seven and a half point underdog pulls off the upset against Michigan outright final score 51 to 45 in Arizona. Uh, I'll be blunt. I don't know which one surprised me more, but they were two really fun games and let's break it down and let's kind of discuss because I, this one to me was just the shocker of all shockers. So let's get into it. And what I would say about this one specifically, the Fiesta Bowl, The late game in Atlanta, to me, that was more of the traditional all-time classic, the one that your grandpa, you know, bops you on your knee, on his knee, and he tells you about two great programs, Georgia and Ohio State, back and forth, nobody's backing down, instant classic, whatever. What I would say about TCU-Michigan, I think that was more of the traditional why we love college football the way that we do. It was imperfect. It was weird. There was bad play calling. There was bad refereeing for sure. But both teams played their hearts out. Both teams left the, left everything on the field. And to be blunt, you know, I, I like the Ohio State-Georgia game. I don't know that there's some amazing hot take about either team. But in terms of the game, the way that I would describe it from the beginning was just weird, right? Just weird, 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 weird. Starting on the opening drive. We hear all week long, all month long, that Michigan is going to stuff the ball down TCU's throat. That is exactly what they do on the opening drive. Big run from Donovan Edwards gets them right into the red zone. Michigan can't punch it in from there. But, hey, it's Michigan. It's Jim Harbaugh. He wants to set the tone early, and so what does he do? He calls a timeout to set up a play. We assume he is going to stuff the ball right down TCU's throat and throw him, show him who's boss. Instead, they do the opposite. They do everything that is anti-Michigan. Weird double reverse that gets snuffed out by TCU. They don't get any points. And then from there, the game kind of just stayed weird from that much, from that point on, right? A few series later, Michigan has the weird, and I, not just weird, awful overturned touchdown call where Roman Wilson caught the ball in the end zone. They go to video replay, need indisputable video replay to overturn it. I actually left for half a second because I said there, there's no, 
it's indisputable that he's in the end zone. Instead, it's it's deemed not a non-touchdown. Michigan fumbles it from there. J.J. McCarthy has a pick six later. And all of a sudden, you look up, and Michigan's down 21 to six at half. And you said, this game's over. Like, it, Michigan ain't coming back from this. Eight, you know, it was an 18-point deficit at one point. It's a 15-point deficit at halftime. Instead, the exact opposite happens. We get a, a historic all-time third quarter, 44 total points. But even in the process, I think two things stood out to me that were very interesting for the rest of the game. One, Michigan is able to come back, mostly not by running the ball, but by throwing the ball. I think that was the shocker of all shockers to me, was that TCU 3-3-5 defense clearly gave Michigan fits. They didn't know where the pressure was coming from. They didn't know how to block it. And Michigan, you really take out that big Donovan Edwards run early in the game. You take out a couple big J.J. McCarthy runs late. They're really, they never really figured out the run game, yet they got back in the game through the passing game, which I thought was a very unique and interesting thing that I want to talk about momentarily. But what was crazy about this game was that every time you thought like, okay, Michigan, they've turned a corner, they figured it out, it's about to go down, they're going to make a comeback, they're going to win, TCU seemingly always had the answer. Right out of the gate, in the second half, Michigan scores 10 unanswered, cuts it to 21-16, to TCU immediately goes on a 14-0 run from there, blows open the game again. Michigan late in the game. Cuts the lead to a very narrow score of 41 to 38. If that sounds familiar, that was almost identical to the Ohio State uh, Georgia game. And from there, TCU scores 10 straight to eventually put it away. And so it was like every single time that Michigan got some momentum, they couldn't get over the hump. And really, frankly, again, it speaks to how strange this game was. We thought Michigan was going to control the trenches, they can't run the ball. We question if J.J. McCarthy can put the team on his back with his arm. We saw him make plays with both his feet and his arm against Ohio State, but it was the passing game that got them back. And then on top of that, which I think was interesting as well, we talked about this on Friday's show. Could Michigan mitigate or limit the big plays? Could they take away the big plays? TCU late in that game, it was almost all big plays. There was a 49-yard or a, a big touchdown score by Quinton Johnson, the big wide receiver, a 69-yard run that set up a short touchdown, a 49-yard pass that set up a short touchdown. So essentially, and if you watch this game, and I know you all did, I thought Sean McDonough, the, the, the broadcaster, did a great job of explaining everything that made Michigan who they were all year basically fell apart for them as they lose this game. And so as we look ahead and as we talk big picture, I think that to me is the biggest takeaway. Michigan to me, again, it's a lot like that's that, that other school that wears scarlet and gray, right? You can have two differing opinions on the Wolverines coming out of this game, and I think they can both be true. I think on the one hand, if you're a Michigan fan and you're disappointed, it's hard for me to not feel disappointed for you, right? Because the bottom line with Michigan is this year was even different from a year ago. Last year, you, you know, nobody thinks you can actually beat Ohio State. You do it. You come to the college football playoff. Everybody says, you know, can you beat Georgia, this, that, the other thing. But even the Michigan players admitted in the lead up to this game that, to be honest, last year against Georgia, they were just happy to be there. They were just happy to be in the playoff, happy to be the Big Ten champ, happy to have accomplished all of the goals that everybody said they couldn't do. Well, this year they came to Phoenix to win this game and to play for a championship. 
And so that's where I think you have to be a little bit frustrated if you are a Michigan fan because everything was lined up really nicely for you, right? Everything was lined up nicely for you. You beat Ohio State again, and we'll get to the Ohio State and the big picture of that in a minute. But you beat Ohio State again. You put yourself in position. There is no doubt now. You smack them again in Columbus. There is no doubt. You're the best program in the Big Ten. Now you're coming to the playoff, not as the hunted, but the hunter. And it's like, okay, we got the matchup that we wanted against the TCU team that we think we can bully. And at the very least, we will get to a national championship game. And if we match up with Georgia, if they're just better than us, okay. But we're ready for Georgia. We played them last year. We think we can get some revenge. And then, oh, by the way, if we get that Ohio State team we just beat, we feel pretty good against them. And so that's why I feel like if you're a Michigan fan, you're allowed to be frustrated after Saturday night. Now, I don't think it's a, you know, the sky is falling or this program has hit its peak under Harbaugh, which we'll get into in a second. But I do think it's okay to feel frustrated. It was all there. You beat Ohio State. You get the two seed. You get the matchup that you want. You're playing the team that beat you last year, so there's the revenge factor to it. I'll tell you. I live in Los Angeles. There is a huge Michigan alumni base. I can't even imagine what the crowd would have been like at SoFi Stadium if Michigan gets there. Instead, they don't, and they lose this game. So that's one perspective of the Michigan side, and I understand that perspective if you're a Michigan fan. I will say this, though. I might be the only one. Maybe I'm two glasses half full. I actually think, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of positives to take out of this game, even though you lost, even though you want to win a championship, even though you want to at least play for a championship. I think there's actually a lot of positives to take out of this game. The biggest one to me, you know what the single biggest takeaway to me of this game from the Michigan perspective is and will be. It's that just think about all the things that went wrong for Michigan in this game, the ones that we already discussed. Goal line, they they screw up on the first series of the game. Have a have a call overturned by the refs, which it was just brutal and inexcusable. That was an awful call. It should have been a touchdown. On top of that, you fumble the next play, so you just cost yourself seven more points. You have a pair of pick sixes by J.J. McCarthy. I'm not blaming him. It's just a fact. And on top of that, and I think this is important, like I said a minute ago, You really didn't run the ball all that well. Now, the stats are deceiving. Stats will say 200-plus yards rushing. The stats will say almost five yards per carry. But it was a couple big runs from J.J. McCarthy. It was a big run from Donovan Edwards on the first drive of the game. But you couldn't run the ball. And so this is why I think there's a positive. There's a silver lining for Michigan. If all of those things happened a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, game's over. You're now 21-6 to at the half against a good team that can put pressure on you at all times on offense. You're not coming back to win that game if you're Michigan because you're not built to come back in that game. And so what has been the big conversation about Michigan the last three, four, five years? Why can't Jim Harbaugh develop a quarterback? And more importantly, is J.J. McCarthy the guy, the guy to finally take them to the next level? And I know he had two pick sixes, but I also will say this for J.J. McCarthy. If there was probably any other quarterback of the Jim Harbaugh era under center, when you fall down 21 to 16, when you fall down, whatever it was, you know, late in the third quarter, um, you know, for, you know, they get, they give up 14 straight. So you're down 35 to 16, I guess. Um, like you're not coming back and winning that game. 
And so the fact that J.J. McCarthy could not only put that team on his back, but he could do it passing the ball. He could do it throwing the ball. He could do it finding Ronnie Bell and Roman Wilson and all of the guys and everything that he did. I think that is a huge positive, even though, of course, you don't want two pick sixes. 343 yards, 10 yards per completion. And then on top of that, he added the rushing component as well, 52 yards rushing with the one touchdown. And so to me, I don't think you can undersell how big that is because five years ago, two years ago, last year against Georgia, you didn't have that component. So you already have the run game. You already have the defense. Now you have the quarterback that can beat you with his arm and beat you with his legs for the one more year that you'll probably have him. I think that sets things up really nicely for next year. And I'll take it a step further. Again, I understand Michigan fans are disappointed today, right now in this moment with the Wolverines. At the same time, here's the bottom line. One, you've established yourself as the best program in the Big Ten, period. That could change in a month or not in a year when you play Ohio State again. But you think about the fact that coming off back-to-back playoffs, there's no doubt anymore. Last year was, oh, it feels good, and they had all these super seniors, and Aiden Hutchinson came back, and what about this guy, and can they really do it again? Well, you did do it again. You did it in Columbus, and now you're the best program in the Big Ten. And, oh, by the way, you destroyed a really good Penn State team that, as I record here, is getting set to play in the Rose Bowl on Monday. So you are the the best team in the Big Ten, and I'll say this. You look at the schedule next year, things actually break pretty nicely for Michigan to be back in this spot again next year. What is Michigan? What is the one thing that Michigan's going to have next year that we know Ohio State and we know Penn State won't have? An established starting quarterback. I guess in theory, Ohio State could return C.J. Stroud. I don't expect it to happen. But Ohio State's got to figure out, is Kyle McCord the guy? Is Devin Brown the guy? Are the backups the guy? Do they have to find somebody in the portal? Penn State, they might have a better quarterback in the backup, Drew Allaire, than they do with Sean Clifford. But you have your two biggest rivals, or at least the two programs that are best built to beat you, first-year quarterbacks. You do have to play at Penn State, but you get Ohio State in Ann Arbor again. And so to me, I think that's the silver lining. Assuming Jim Harbaugh leaves, and we're already getting the weird flirt, assuming Jim Harbaugh stays, excuse me, because we're already getting the weird flirtations, and I saw the Broncos are quote-unquote looking into him. I don't know what you need to look into. The guy wins everywhere he goes, including the NFL. But assuming Jim Harbaugh stays, you're in position to do this again next year. The out-of-conference schedule is, again, really soft. Remember, they canceled the game with uh, the the home-and-home with UCLA. So the out-of-conference schedule is soft. You do have to play Nebraska, which maybe will be interesting under Matt Rule. You do have to play Minnesota, which is always tough under P.J. Fleck. But you're going to get Penn State with a first-year quarterback. You're going to get Ohio State at home with a first-year quarterback. I think this sets up really, really nicely for Michigan. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then from the TCU perspective, let's continue the conversation. Because I, I just want to say this when it comes to TCU. A couple things stand out about this game. One, TCU to me is very much like what I said about Ohio State earlier. Remember I said Ohio State, it was very clear that everyone in that building, including Ryan Day, including C.J. Stroud, heard everything that was said about them for a month? Well, TCU didn't even hide the fact that they heard everything that everybody said, including J.J. McCarthy said something about, we play smash smash fest football here. Smash fest, by the way. I don't think football when I hear that, but that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there, okay? So the bottom line is play smash fest football, and if if they try, J.J. McCarthy's exact quote was, if we try to play that 3-3-5 defense, we're going to smash, we're going to smash them right out of that building. And so it's clear TCU heard all of the rumblings from the Michigan perspective. And it's clear, I'll say this, I thought that 3-3-5 gave them fits. It's one thing to line up and play an Iowa defense, a Wisconsin defense, and Ohio. They had no idea what to do with that defense from that perspective. From the TCU perspective in the bigger picture, let me say this. I think that the Big 12, and I think this is something that's getting a little bit lost in the shuffle here. You talk about a banner night for the Big 12. How about the Big 12? Texas and Oklahoma leaving? No problem. We got TCU playing for a national championship a week from now. Uh, You know, suck it, SEC. Suck it, Oklahoma. Suck it, Texas. Now, I don't think TCU is beating Georgia. That's another conversation for later in this week. And it's not a criticism of Georgia. Frankly, it's not even a criticism of Texas and Oklahoma because TCU would have made the same decision. But at the same time, how about the Big 12? But more importantly, I will say, I think the Big 12 actually did a good job of preparing TCU for this moment. Big 12, you can say this. There aren't a lot of bad teams in the Big 12. Kansas State, despite what they did to Alabama, is pretty good. Um, Baylor, even though they, they had a little bit of a disappointing season, is good. Texas was better this year. Oklahoma went six and six. Oklahoma State is tough. Iowa State is tough. There, Kansas was good this year. There were no easy games in the Big 12. And I thought that the Big 12 probably prepared TCU for this moment better than people would give it credit for. Think about the Big 10. Big 10, outside of Ohio State, outside of Penn State, who were the tough teams that Michigan played? Who were the teams that gave Michigan fits? Who were the teams that Michigan had no answer for defensively because of the speed and the athleticism? It wasn't Iowa. wasn't Rutgers. It wasn't Maryland. Uh, It was, I mean, I could go in any number of different directions. There is no easy answer in terms of who was the toughest team that Michigan played outside of Ohio State and Penn State. I thought the depth in the Big Ten was not very strong this year, and I think it might have hurt Michigan. 
Finally, as we close, let me say this about TCU. I don't think it's hyperbole to say they are one of the best stories that we have ever seen in college football. Now, people are going to say, oh, Taurus, you're doing your Taurus thing. You're exaggerating everything. I don't think so. Think about TCU and think about think about their story coming into this year. First-year head coach. They fired literally the greatest coach in program history. Some people thought they were crazy. Now, I thought the program had regressed a little bit, but fired maybe the best coach, not even maybe, the best coach in program history. You're in a conference that everybody has left for dead. Oh, the Big 12 is not going to be able to compete. Why even bother? You have a first-year head coach. And I think more importantly, you have a first-year head coach who didn't do it like Lincoln Riley and didn't do it like Brian Kelly. There was no major portal overhaul at TCU. Now, they added some guys, including some starters on defense. But this wasn't Lincoln Riley bringing a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback with him and a Bolitnikov-winning wide receiver. This wasn't LSU bringing in 25 players in the portal last offseason. This was plugging a few holes, but it was largely guys that were on this roster last year. If you watch this game, I thought it was interesting. They mentioned this. Quentin Johnson, the star wide receiver for TCU. He was a kid. Sonny Dykes, one of his first acts as the head coach of TCU was to go back and get Quentin Johnston out to go back and get Quentin Johnston to come back to this program. And from the sounds of things, Quentin Johnson never even really considered leaving. Could have left, would have had offers. I'm sure in this NIL world that we live in, there were plenty of opportunities in the portal. Said, coach, I want to stay. Max Duggan, we didn't even know if he was the starting quarterback into the season this year and then figures it out as things go on and turns himself into a Heisman Trophy winner. So you think about the fact, program with a first-year head coach, conference left for dead, largely with the same guys that they had last year that struggled, largely with the same group from a year ago that was not good that did not go to a bowl game, that had their head coach fired, no major portal overhaul, they didn't sign a top five recruiting class, they just did it with the dudes that were already in this program. We've never seen anything like TCU. Happy for them and excited to see what's next. Listen, we got all week to break down Georgia and uh, Georgia and TCU. Um and I think there's a fair conversation to have about, you know, how tough it's going to be for TCU to come back after that game and then beat Georgia. But credit to TCU. This is an, an incredible story, an all-time story, and they deserve every bit of credit that they have gotten since Wednesday, uh, since Saturday night. Finally, what I would just say as we wrap up the show, I'm not going to spend a bunch more times on the bowl games. Um, outside of the college football playoff. There are conversations to be had. I just think there's maybe another time, another day. Maybe we talk about some of these other games later on in the week. As I record here late Sunday into Monday, we do still have the uh, Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl coming up. Rose Bowl, I do like Utah to beat Penn State. I think Tulane has a real shot to beat USC, which of course will be playing, remember, without Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams as well, less than 100%. In terms of the other bowl games, I'll say this. A couple things really stood out. One, congrats to Tennessee on winning the Orange Bowl on Friday night. I'll tell you this, though. Where Aaron may have been wrong, I thought that Clemson would look much, much, much different once Cade Klubnick, the backup, the freshman, got in under center. And I think what this may have said, 
honestly, what this game may have said, remember Dabo kept saying, Cade Klubnik's not ready, Cade Klubnik's not ready, Cade Klubnik's not ready, we got to stick with DJ? Dabo might not have been lying to us as Cade Klubnik looked lost, confused, and frankly just struggled in that game against Tennessee. Does throw for 320 yards, but two interceptions, 59% completion percentage. And I think there's a lot of people, myself included, I thought once DJ was gone, this program's going to go right back to being 12 and 0, 13 and 0, competing for national championships. I don't think they're there, not with Cade Klubnik at quarterback. And by the way, it's not just Cade Klubnik, it's the offensive line, it's the wide receivers. Remember, Clemson used to have great wide receivers. Um, and this just not does not look like a vintage Clemson team. And with the way they've recruited, they've recruited well. I don't know if they've recruited the depth needed to win at the highest level if they don't have elite quarterback play. Uh, Sugar Bowl, Alabama dominates. I think my only real thought on that, and again, we might do a larger segment on this at some point. One, it's just disappointing we didn't get that Alabama all year. If we had gotten that Alabama from start to finish, they're playing in the national championship against somebody. I don't know if it's TCU. I don't know if it's Georgia. I don't know if it's whoever. If if we got that Alabama all season long, it would have been a lot of a different story. I also think this is important to know. They were kind of given a lifeline, much like Ohio State, after not, you know, Ohio State's different. They made the playoff. But Alabama, I think we have to be ready for an Alabama team like the one we saw this year in a 12-team college football playoff. Because Alabama, if there had been a 12-team college football playoff, they would have finished the regular season 10-2. and They would have been about the 6-7 seed in the playoff. And they probably still would have been one of the two or three favorites to win it all. And so I only bring it up. This is what everybody wants with a 12-team expanded playoff. Teams like Alabama, teams like Tennessee, teams like Clemson. Well, all it's really going to do is give a team like Alabama that slept walk through most of the regular season another opportunity. I think they're going to take advantage. Credit to Alabama for the win there. Uh, and credit, by the way, to TCU and Georgia, who will play for a national championship game a week from today. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. Before we get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls again. Thank, thank you all for everything. Uh, for those of you who did go to Folding Warehouse in Cincinnati, I'm sorry I could not be there. Blame Southwest. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. I'm bummed by no Betfred through a great party. Thank you for your guys' support of Betfred. Thank you of your support for me. But thank you again for everything. 2021 was in a 2022 was an amazing year, and I know we got big things ahead for 2023. Could not done it have done it all without your guys' support. Before we get out of here, I want to remind you, make sure you're subscribed even in the new year, 2023, to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. I'll tell you what, I'll be back Wednesday. We'll probably talk a little basketball. We'll talk a little football as well. And then Friday, we got a national championship game to preview, but want to thank you guys and girls for your support. Thank you for everything. Hope everybody had a great new year's Eve. Hope everybody enjoyed the games as much as I did. Shout out to Torn Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You have unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Wednesday. New episode, Aaron Torres Pod. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.